Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Genesis chapter 25. I'm going to take a pause from the, um, from the series on Revelation um, and uh, just uh, speak on Genesis 25. And uh, in a few weeks, we'll get back to uh, the trumpets, uh, the bowls. <laughs> should be amazing. <laughs> and uh, should, should be the four horsemen of the apocalypse and a whole bunch of stuff that's coming up. Uh, Genesis chapter 25, uh, reading from verse 24. Genesis chapter 25, reading from verse 24. Bible says, When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. First to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. Let's pray. And so, Father, we just thank you for your word. And we just thank you, Father God, how even just some simple scriptures have so much truth. I just pray this morning that by the Holy Spirit you would come and that, Father, you would speak to us. Father, let there be a Freedom in the service to speak your word and to receive your word. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Let the gifts of the Holy Spirit be in in operation even as I share, Lord God. And above all else, Lord God, let us grab hold of a thought that will change us, that will shift us, that will move us this morning, that will give us hope, Lord God, that will break the darkness, I pray in the name of Jesus, and that will shift us towards you, Lord God, so that we can be everything you've called us to be. This is our prayer, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen Amen and amen. I want to speak today on the power of a moment. I want to speak today on the power of a moment. Dictionary defines a moment as a very brief period of time. That's a really good description of a moment. It's a very brief period of time. Our lives are filled with thousands, if not millions, of moments, most of which have no impact on our lives. Uh, But there are some moments which seem to influence our life, shape our life, affect us so powerful, not only as individuals, uh, but also as a nation and even as a society. Moments that happen in our life. Think about our, the nation and even the world. Think about how 911 um, in 2011 affected all of us. How many people remember where they were when this was being televised? I still remember exactly where I was. I get a phone call from my sister saying, have you got the TV on? Turn the TV on. Look what's happening in the US. Um, Think about the landing on the moon. I mean, do some of you remember the landing on the moon? (laughs) Of course, I don't remember it because I wasn't born. So um, that was 13th of September back in 1959. Uh, and then there was the day Steve Jobs held the first Apple phone in his hand. Anybody remember that moment? Yeah, there's a few. No, that's all the youngies. All right. Um, that was in January 2007, just for the record. The power of a moment. To help us understand this principle, we're going to look at one of the people in the Bible that God used in an incredibly powerful way. And his name 
was Jacob. As we look at his life, we're going to see that there were a number of significant moments that shaped his life, uh, that influenced his life in an incredibly powerful way. Uh, Jacob was now uh, the third generation after Abraham. Uh, it was Abraham, uh, Isaac. God appeared to Abraham with, a, with an incredible promise. And after Abraham came Isaac. And then after Isaac was Jacob. Um, and uh, Abraham was promised that he would be the father of a great nation. But he had to wait 33 years before the promise uh, came to pass. And finally, uh, there was Isaac uh, was born uh, in a miraculous way. Isaac married Rebecca and they had twins, hence the text that we uh, have opened up with. And when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in a womb and uh, went to an ultrasound and they saw the twin boys. So they knew she was having twins. First to come out was red and his whole body was like a hairy garment. Some of you know someone like that. So they named him Esau, which actually means, you know, hairy. Uh, and after this, his brother comes out and uh, with his hand grasping Esau's heel. I want you to kind of picture that, you know, uh, Esau's come, just coming out and, and his legs are just coming out. But, but as, as they're pulling him out of the womb, there's, there's, there's Jacob and he's got, he's hanging on to his heel, you know, as he's coming out. And uh, so because of that, uh, he was named Jacob. Um, so he, he was the first significant moment in Jacob's life. I, I, I want you to think about this for just a moment. Uh, his life is pretty short at this stage. All right, not much has happened in his life. He's, he's, he's in the womb and, and he's, he's, only, he's, not, he's not even out of the womb yet. The only thing out of his womb is his hand. One, one hand. Um, he's grabbing the heel of his brother. Yet that one moment marked his life in a powerful way. That, that one little moment marked his life in a powerful way. That one moment became the definition of who he was. You shall be called Jacob. And some of you might be thinking, well, what's wrong with Jacob? Jacob is a great name, and it is a great name. Just for the record, in a few moments, we're going to see why Jacob is such a great name. Uh, it wasn't the name that was the problem. It was the meaning of the name. The name Jacob means he who grasps at the hill to trick another, to get in the way of another, to take advantage of, trip up another. Jacob means Deceiver. Not a nice meaning. The name was so powerful, it marked him in such a significant way, shaped how he saw himself, how he lived his life, the way he interacted with people, his reactions, his decisions he made. All, all of this came from one moment in his life. All, all of this came for, from, from one little event in his life, Jacob. Think about his life. He stole the birthright from his older brother for a bowl of lentils. You read about this in Genesis chapter 25. Uh, Esau, his brother, was a hunter. He went out hunting for a few days. Obviously, he didn't, didn't get any food. Uh, Jacob was more a homebody, uh, you know, kitchen kind of guy, cook, a chef. Uh, one day, Esau comes home from hunting and he was literally starving to death. He was famished. He was hungry. He was, he was, he was really hungry. Jacob had cooked a nice vegetarian lentil stew and um, Esau asks him for a bowl. And Jacob, seeing an opportunity here, seizes the moment. And he says to him, all right, I'll give you a bowl of lentils. But first of all, you have to give me your inheritance. Now, uh, the older brother, he was entitled to more of the inheritance because he was the firstborn. And... Uh, 
Jacob says to him, give me your portion. In essence, he was saying, give me your birthright. And so Esau thought to himself, well, what's the point of a birthright if I die right now? And so, okay, he agrees to that. And so Jacob gives him the bowl of lentils, which must have tasted amazing. Now, just, just stop, pause here for a second. Think about it. Older brother, uh, you know, uh, it's his older brother uh, and, and he's come home hungry. Uh, and instead of, instead of having some sympathy for him, Instead of thinking, oh, it's my brother, let, let, me, let me help him in this time of need. No, he takes advantage of him and uh, uses it as an opportunity for gain. Just for the record, some of you think you've come from a dysfunctional family and, you, and you're just thinking, you know, my whole family was dysfunctional. Here's a great example of a dysfunctional family. This, this is one of them. And Jacob comes out of that and it was used powerfully by God, just for the record. Um, later, when Isaac was about to die, he was going to bless Esau, uh, the first son. It was, so there was the birthright that applied to the first son. Then, the, then there was the blessing. There was this special blessing that applied to the first son as well. And so Isaac, who's old now and he's going blind, and he's, uh, he says to Esau, why don't you go and uh, get some game, hunt some game, and, uh, and bring it back, and then I'm going to bless you. Well, uh, Jacob's mum overhears this and she says to Jake, listen, here's an opportunity for you to get the blessing. So she schemes with him. Uh, he wasn't very hairy. And uh, so she gets some, some, some uh, skin of animal and you know, puts it on, on his arms and all this kind of stuff uh, and uh, tricks him into getting uh, the blessing. So you know, he comes in and and uh, Isaac says, well, you kind of sound like Jacob, come close, but you smell like Esau and your arms, are, he must have been really hairy, I mean, just for the record. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, uh, and uh, so, you know, he feels his arms and they're hairy and, and he goes, well, you, you, you must be Esau. And so uh, uh, Isaac goes ahead and blesses him. Now, later Esau finds out about this. Look what he says, look what he says. He says, isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he's taken advantage of me. He took my birthright and now he's taken my blessing as well. Esau decided that when his father died, he would kill Jacob. And I, and I, just, I just want you to think about this for a moment. Just, let's just pause here for a second. Jacob's not, out of, not, he's not even out of the womb yet, okay? The only thing that's come out of that womb is one hand of his. And because of that one hand, because he was grasping the heel of his older brother Esau, just, just one moment, you shall be called Jacob. And that influenced his whole life. For many of us, like Jacob, it seems that one moment has marked our life. One moment. A very short space of time has marked our lives. Yeah, we've had a lot of good things happen to us, but there's this one thing that seems to have affected us so deeply, so powerfully, and we just can't seem to move on from it. Moments are not everything, but they can change the course of our life. They can mark us deeply. And maybe there's someone here today, um, and as I'm speaking, um, you know exactly what that event is in your life. What that moment was that impacted you so deeply. Maybe it was something you did, something that was done to you. 
some crisis that's happened in your life. Where, you know, you were traveling along uh, nicely one day and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this situation happens. A diagnosis, a death of a loved one, a divorce. It was just a moment. It's all it was. It was just a little short space of time, just a moment, and yet it changed the trajectory of your life. And it impacted you so powerfully you still think about it today. You can't seem to get past it. You feel kind of stuck in this moment. If that's you today. I want you to know that the Bible says, this is what the Bible says. It's a promise for some of you here today. It just says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing something new. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Come on, I want to speak over that, that over some of your lives today. I want to speak that prophetically over your lives to some of you today because there's something back there that is stopping you from moving into everything that God has for your life. And the word of the Lord to you and to me here today is forget the former things. How many people know that's not easy to do? How many people know it's, it's not easy to forget the former things? How many people know it's not easy to forget something that's happened way back there? A moment, it's all it was. And it's not that God uh, enables us to forget it. What, what, what it means is, it, is whatever happened back there no longer causes pain in our lives today. That's what it means there. The Bible says about Joseph that he, that the, he named his second child, I think it was Manasseh, because the Lord enabled him to forget his family and, and, and his, whole, his whole past, his whole situation back there. It's not that he forgot. It no longer caused him the pain it was causing him before. And the, Lord, the word of the Lord to you and to me, come on church, the word of the Lord to you and to me today is God wants to help us forget the former things because He wants to do something new in our lives. And I'm making a way in the, in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Some of us are living in a wilderness and in a wasteland. It describes our lives. And God says, I want to do something new. That no matter what name you've been given or what name you have given yourself so often, it's not the names that we've been given that affect us so deeply. It's the names we give ourselves that have the power to affect us so deeply. Oh, I'm dysfunctional. I'm a loser. I'm a failure. I'm dumb. I'm not smart. It's not, it's not the names people give us, although often people will give us those names. And, and you know, it's, not, it's not, got nothing to do with the name that's on our birth certificate. It's a name an adult or a significant person has, has given us, and, and that name has affected us deeply. It was just a moment. I still remember a teacher saying to me, you know, uh, my name is not actually Joe, um, and my name is Giuseppe. That's a shock to some of you, I know. Uh, and uh, the thing with Giuseppe is it can be spelled G-U-I or G-I-U. And I still remember this grade seven teacher stopping. I, I must have misspelled it. I don't know, you know, what I'd done. You can't even spell your name, she said. Uh, so I changed it to Joe, just three letters, really simple, uh, very easy to spell. Um, but, I, you know, some of you remember an event, a moment. It's marked you. The Bible says, listen carefully, you shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will name. Doesn't matter what name has been given to you or what name you've given yourself, you shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will name. 
I want you to know that God's power is bigger than your past. That His grace is greater than anything that you've ever experienced or done. His truth is stronger than whatever opinion you have about yourself. His truth can break every stronghold in the name of Jesus. That no matter what habit patterns have been established in our thinking, one word from the Lord, one truth from the Lord can break that stronghold in Jesus' name. God's Word has the power to change and transform our hearts and our lives at the deepest level. Can I hear a little amen somewhere in the congregation? Now, what I find interesting about the life of Jacob is how God began to transform him. Transformation began with another moment. Jacob found out that Esau wanted to kill him and so he fled to Uncle Laban's house. On the journey to his uncle's house, he gets to a certain place, decides to call it a night, so he rests his head on a rock, Bible tells us, and he falls asleep. You know the story, as he, as he falls asleep, the Bible says, then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set upon the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. And also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. And then Jacob Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, I love this scripture. It's just a powerful, surely the Lord is in this place. Surely the Lord is in this place. I, I, I want to pray that every time we gather together that we would say, surely the Lord is in this place. And I didn't know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. It's fantastic. I pray, I pray that this would be a word for our church. That, 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 that this place, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, the place where God dwells. That this place would be awesome, not because of the music or the speaking or whatever it is. That this place would be awesome because, because God dwells here. His presence is here. And this was another powerful moment in his life. And here's where his life started. His life was going in one direction. And here's where things start to turn for Jacob. This was no ordinary dream. This was God speaking to him. God speaks a word into his life and spoke about his future. That he, and he had as an encounter with the living God. I, I just love this. Listen to me, church. God wants to speak to all of us. Never, ne never be surprised by how one word can change the trajectory of your life. How one word from God can, can just change the trajectory of your life. Some of you say, well, how can God speak? He speaks to us. I don't know how to explain it. I don't, I don't, I don't know how to say His words, but there are times where God, God speaks to us, where God, where God in, intersects our lives and, and drops a word into our heart about the things He wants to do even through our lives. And I say that one of the greatest moments in our lives is when we come to know God, when we get a revelation of God. And come to know God, not as some distant being, not as a disinterested God, a harsh or angry God, but as a God that's interested in our lives today. He's very much interested in the challenges and the pain that we're going through. God has a plan and a purpose for us. We're not an accident. Moments can have a powerful effect on our lives. But the greatest moment in our life, the greatest moment that we can experience in our lives He's seeing God for who He really is. It's coming to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. 
Some of us will remember that time where we gave our life to Jesus. It was like our, o- our eyes were opened and suddenly, suddenly we saw things we could never see before. Suddenly, suddenly we understood things. S- suddenly everything was so clear. And we came to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It was just a moment. It was a decision to open our hearts to God. And that's the question. How can we experience one of those moments? All we need to do is, is say, Lord, you know, if you're real, I want to know. Can begin by a simple prayer. Lord, I, I just want to know who you are. If, if, if there really is a God, then, then, then Lord, I, I want to know. Reveal yourself to me. Begins by talking to God and we call that prayer. Begins by opening our heart up to God. You might say, well, like, Pastor Joe, I've got all these questions. How can I know that God is real? Which religion is the right one? God is real, then why do so many bad things happen in the world? Why have so many bad things happened in my life? Reality is, I don't know the answer to all those questions, but the greatest thing we can do with those questions is just bring them into the presence of God. It's not scared or intimidated by our questions. God, God, God isn't going, oh my goodness, what are, you, what are they going to ask me? What are they going to ask me? God isn't intimidated by our questions. Joni Erickson, I've spoken about her before, was a young girl who became a paraplegic after diving off a jetty into a shallow water. And she said, I had so many questions for God, why I was going through this. I was angry towards God. And she began to read the Bible. She says, I didn't get all the answers uh, to my questions, but what she found, she found God. A God that loved her, a God that cared about her, a God that was interested in her life both now and for eternity. Of all the moments in our life, the greatest moment is seeing God for who he is. Coming to know God for who he is. And Jake, Jacob has this moment in his life and it impacted him so greatly, powerfully. This dream that just looked like another dream, but he knew, he knew that God had spoken to him. He knew that God was present right there with him. The problem is he was still Jacob. And so he went to his uncle's house and he was still manipulating and maneuvering and the interesting part is, as you know the story, the deceiver be- suddenly becomes deceived. He falls in love with Rachel, uh, Laban's daughter, and he agrees to work for seven years. He works seven years, and then there's the wedding. Uh, morning after the wedding, he wakes up, and there lying next to him is Leah, the older sister. Don't ask me how that happened, but it did. He's furious. He wakes up. You know, can you imagine? Can you imagine the shock? <laughs> anyway, uh, he is furious. He's angry the bible tells us because he's been deceived of all things can you believe it goes to laban and he's you know <laughs> it's funny it's got to be funny laban says well we have a custom that we can't marry off the younger daughter without marrying the older sister so he ends up marrying both sisters works for a further for uh, seven years isn't it interesting how dysfunction begets dysfunction or started out as a name has now become part of, his, uh, part of his life. It's now become part of his identity. And what's worse, he's starting to reap the consequences of, of his decisions. We reap what we sow. Well, Jacob works 14 years and then he decides to leave and go back home. He decides he's going to face Esau, greatest decision he can make. He, he, he doesn't care about the fear. He's going to face Esau and so he sets out, and now he's getting close to home. Um, 
sends a message to his brother. He says, I'm coming home. And uh, Esau decides to come and meet him uh, with 400 men on horses. Jacob is told via a text, Esau is coming to meet you, smiley face. But he's coming with 400 men on horses, gnashing teeth emoji. So by now, uh, he has a great deal of livestock, servants, wives. There's a whole entourage coming with him. And uh, so what he does, you know, this is, this is uh, thinking, manoeuvring Jacob. You know, he's thinking here, uh, you know, I'm about to die because he's convinced he's going to die. So what he does is uh, he uh, chooses his best cattle, divides it up into sections. He's got, he's got uh, uh, goats and camels and donkeys and all kinds of stuff, right? So what he does is he puts one servant um, in charge of uh, each, each of the cattle, each of the types, each of the herds, and he, and he instructs each servant carefully. So what, he, what he's, what he's going to do is going to appease Esau, right? So he puts one bunch, one herd first with a servant, and then a little bit further behind, there's another servant with another herd, and, and so on, and, and, and so on. And he says to each of his servants, he says, listen carefully. He says, uh, when Esau comes and asks, what, what, what are you doing here? He says, what are all these animals? You're going to tell him this. They belong to your servant Jacob. They are a gift sent to my Lord Esau, and he's coming behind us. Now, now just, just notice that there's already been a change in Jacob's life. Just, just notice. No, notice these couple of words which have already this shows a shift in his life. They belong to your servant, your servant Jacob. They are a gift to my Lord Esau. Bible then says he sent his wives and family ahead of him. And so Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. You know the story, some of you know the story. We're not sure if it was a man or an angel or it was God appearing in, a, in person, but we know the person represented God. We know that for sure. And so Jacob wrestles with this man. It's a powerful scripture. He knew that what he needed more than anything else was God's favour. He knew that this battle was ultimately not with, not with his brother Esau, that this battle was really with God. And what he needed more than anything else was God to touch his life. The Bible says that when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched and he's, as, he wrestled, as he wrestled with the man. And then the man said, let me go for it, stay break. But Jacob replied, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. That's a powerful scripture. That's a powerful word. Jacob said, I'm, 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 I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I'm not leaving this place until this is fixed. Jacob is broken. He's hurting. He's in pain. But he's wrestling. Notice the position. He's wrestling with God. He's still hanging on to God. He's saying, I'm not letting you go until this is fixed. Can I just say, whatever you're going through, or whatever questions you might have, the greatest thing that you can do, the greatest thing that we can do is bring it into the presence of God and begin to wrestle with God. Because the answer to whatever we're going through, the answer to whatever doubt we, we, we have, the, the answer to whatever questions we have, the answer to whatever weakness we have in our lives, the answer is always in the presence of God. I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And then the man asks him, what's your name? Didn't God know what, what, the, what his name was? 
Didn't God already know what his name was? Why did he need to ask him, what's your name? He says, my name's Jacob. Might as well have been saying, my name is Supplanter or Schema. And then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. In, in one moment, Jacob was changed. And he was never the same again. The power of a moment. The power of a very short space of time. Think about my own life. I think about the moments in my own life. It kind of changed the course of my life. Just times in the presence of God. God speaks a word into your heart. And, and, and out of that, just something shifts, something changes in our lives. Story continues, and the next day he sees Esau coming from a distance. So he goes ahead of his family, and he's still convinced that he's going to be wiped out. And as Esau approaches, the Bible says, he bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. I want you to just get a picture of that. His brother's coming, 400 men. And as he comes, he, begins, he bows down seven times before him. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. And he threw his arms around his neck and he kissed him. And they wept together. And then after, after Jacob, his wives come and one by one they come and they too begin to bow down before Esau seven times and so on as a sign of respect for him. And Esau asked the question, well, what's the meaning of all these flocks and herds I met? To find favor in your eyes, my Lord, he said. But Esau said, I already have plenty, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. No, please, said Jacob. If I found favor in your eyes, accept the gift from me. For to see your face is like seeing the face of God now that you've received me favorably. And Jacob was never, ever the same again. And God used him in a powerful way. Moments. All of us will experience them in our lives. I wonder there might be someone here today who's experienced a tough moment in your own life. A moment that has marked your life, and not so much for the better, but for the worse. Might be a name. Could be an event. Could be a word that's spoken over your life. Something that's happened in, your, in, in, in our life, something that's done to you, something that you did. Sometimes the moments that we go through or the negative moments we experience, we cause them. So as we kind of suffer the consequences of those, of, of that moment, you know, we can't blame anybody else. We caused it. But there are moments in our lives where we didn't. Th think about Jacob. Do you, do you think Jacob's in the womb kind of thinking, I've got to get this guy. I've got to get out of here first, man. Do you, do you think Jacob's got a whiteboard thinking, you know, what are we going to do? Do you think Jacob's negotiating with Esau in the womb going, you know, how, how am I going to get out of here first? <laughs> Nothing. He, he didn't make any of those decisions. All, all he did was, was born second. And as, as his brother's born, he's hanging onto his heel. Said, that's all he did. And yet it marked his life in a significant way. For some of us, it's just a really short space of time that's marked us. Whatever it is that's defined you, 
and affected you. God wants to intervene. How does God deal with those negative moments? He replaces them with some positive moments. Because <laughs> all of us have a past that needs healing. We all have habits that need to be broken. We all have an identity that needs to be established in the name of Jesus. We're all carrying the pain of what's happened in our lives, what people have said, what people have done, what's happened, uh, what we've done. We are all dysfunctional. Can I hear an amen? No one's dysfunctional in this church. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> we've all got stuff in our lives, all of us. Jacob reminds us how destructive one moment can have in our lives. But Jacob also reminds us that no one moment can define us. That no matter how we started, if God has a promise for our life, we can do anything, be anything, become whatever God has called us to become. I want you to know that God's power is bigger than whatever you're facing. That there's no sin that cannot be overcome. No habit that cannot be broken. No past that cannot be dealt with. No abuse, no hurt that cannot be healed. No mistake that cannot be forgiven. Listen to what Isaiah says. Isaiah says, remember these things, Jacob. For you, Israel, are my servant. I have made you. You are my servant, Israel. And I will not forget you. Isn't that beautiful? Remember these things, Jacob. You are my servant. I've made you. I created you. And I will not forget you. Moments can influence us negatively, but moments can also be a springboard to blessing and favor. I'm going to be baptizing some people in a few Minutes in a next service and baptism is a moment. It's a moment where something can shift in our lives. Moments are not everything. But moments are things that can shift in our lives, change the course of our lives so that we can be everything that God has called us to be. Will you stand with me? Maybe there's someone here today. You don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've drifted away from God. What a great opportunity to come back to God. Because for me, the greatest moment that we can ever experience in our lives is to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It's to open up our hearts to God. Why don't you do that this morning? Just right where you're standing. Why don't you just, uh, just open up your heart to God. Say, God, I've drifted away from you. I want to drift back. Say, God, I, I, I don't know you as my Lord and Savior. I want to know you, Lord God. It's my Lord and Savior. You can pray that right where you are right now. Right now. It's a simple prayer in your heart. We don't have to do an altar call. We don't have to, you know, do all kinds of... You just have to open up your heart to God and say, God, I, 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 want, I want to know you. I want to receive you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for doing life my own way. Forgive me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I just want to pray for people today because there might be some people here today that this message is not just some words, but this is reality in your life. 
And I just pray that by the Holy Spirit that God would speak to us today, that God would begin to minister healing in our lives. In Jesus' name. That God would replace those moments that have affected us so deeply. That God would replace those moments with God moments so that we can be everything that God has called us to be. What the enemy has meant for harm, God shall use for his glory the salvation of many. No weapon formed against us shall prosper, says the Lord Almighty. That's the inheritance of the saints for those who believe. If that's you today, I just want you to put your hand on your heart as I pray. Every eye closed, just put your hand on your heart. If, if, if you feel, yeah, you know what, I, 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 need, I need healing in my heart. I know I do. Let's just believe God today. Come on. His presence is here right now. His presence is here right now. This is a sacred moment. This is a sacred moment. And I want to believe that God is going to minister healing. And Father, we commit our lives to you, our hearts to you. Father, the reality is all of us, said Jacob. Father, I, I just pray that by your Holy Spirit, that you would minister healing to our lives. For you made us, Lord God. You created us, Lord God, to serve your purposes. And you have not forgotten us. Sweep across this congregation and just minister healing, Lord God, I pray in Jesus' name. Let this be a moment that changes our hearts and lives. I pray, just let the anointing come upon us so that we can be everything that you've called us to be. Father, let those strongholds be broken in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray, heal those memories in Jesus' name. Father, you're our healer, Lord God. You're the restorer of our soul. Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, let every work of the enemy be broken. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, let us be everything you've called us to be, we pray. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. God bless you. You have an awesome week and we'll see you next week in Jesus' name. God bless you.